Welcome to the Dr. Daff Show. I'm here today with the mother, podcaster, business owner of Parfait, Miss Simone Kendall. Welcome, Thank Simone. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yes. I'm so happy that you're here. And I have a lot to talk about in terms yes. of motherhood and being a business owner. Very unique, yeah. very unique brand. Yeah. yeah. So Simone and I met years ago in Ghana. Mm-hmm. We um, went to a couple different events together. I think it was like Afrochella. Yes. Or it was something. year of the return. It That's was right. like right before pandemic. We were outside. It was great. Our last hoorah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was so fun though. That was an amazing trip. Yes, it was yeah, wonderful. So, so Simone, you are a twin. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because you're the third twin that I've interviewed in the last month. Really? Yes. It's like, and, I don't know what's going I on. I mean, how many people are you interviewing? Like, is this like, <laughs> is that like statistics? It's so like, strange. It lot. is statistically <laughs> And you're identical twin. They're all yes. identical twins. So interesting. Wow. Okay. So you have to bring Jay next time so I you can should. do like a twin moment. Because I saw the episode with the other twins. Yes. You had both Two, of them. 241 Cosmetics. Cool. Yes. 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 It was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And you are also a mother. Yes. yes. And how old is your daughter? She's five. She's five years yeah. old. Mm-hmm. Are you like a dance mom? Because I, I see your daughter <laughs> and she sounds so spunky. Girl, I love being a dance mom. Okay. I'm I'm taking the title and running with it. <laughs> so Kaya does majorette dance, which is basically like the dance style of a lot of HBCUs. And really like for Kaya, she's biracial. So I'm biracial. My mom is black. My dad is white. Her dad... His mom is half white, half Mexican. His dad is black. So we've got a lot mixed in there. But overall, like black culture is a big part of who we are as individuals. And so for Kaya, she goes to predominantly white school as a young girl. And so we want to make sure, you know, when you grow up, you know, your people, you're around your people and you get to absorb that community in different ways. And so we said we want you to go into dance because she loves performing. She's a little, you know, performer. But really, the best dance group was a ended up being a majorette group, which we weren't seeking that out. But it has turned into be the most fun like lively experience. I never did dance growing up, but Majorette is like that deal. You get to do so many different styles of dance in one, and then it's our culture. It's all together. So she loves it. She can be sassy. She can have fun. <laughs> she listens to good music. It's awesome. It's I've awesome. never heard of that style of dance. Yes. It's a huge, it's like only really at HBCUs, but okay. it's like when you see, I mean, even like Drumline, mm-hmm. when you watch the movie and the dancers, like that's Majorette. Like it's a whole, you got to Google it. There's a whole show about it. So it's kind Very of like cool. cheerleading. It is a little bit okay. of cheerleading. It's a little bit of cheer. It's a little bit of like traditional dance. Like if you watch like a band and they do uh, like a performance on the field during a football game or something. Um, you'll have the dancers there, but Majorette is a mix of jazz, hip hop. They do tumbling. They do flips. They do jumps. I mean, all kinds of stuff. That is Crazy. incredible. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool. And she's only five. five and she's doing this. Oh, yeah. We go to dance at least four times a week. Wow. Yeah, she's obsessed. That's a busy schedule. <laughs> yes. So what do you love most about being a mother? Oh, that's a big question. It is a big question. Um, (laughs) Oh, gosh. I think the thing I love the most is really seeing somebody grow and learn in a way that I could not control in, in sort of this like it's all about me, but just knowing what I've lived in my life, seeing the things that I've seen and being able to like influence somebody to say, hey, 
I've made that mistake before. Let's try this. Or, hey, there are things that I wish I was exposed to when I was younger. Now you can be exposed to these things. Um, I love seeing her blossom and get to experience and have her own opinions about stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was just telling my friend, um, you know, I've only gotten to year five, so I don't know what is after this. <laughs> That's but, far. <laughs> yes. But year five has been awesome. Like, I just love the little human she is. She's so sweet. She's so curious about things, but she also has her own opinion about things now. So before it was like, okay, you'll sort of like anything any normal kid would like. And now mm -hmm. she really is finding her own discernment and likes certain people and doesn't like other people. And so it's just oh. very cool to see her come into her own before she like doesn't want to spend time with me <laughs> anymore. She's not teenager yet. She has her moments, but like she right. still is obsessed with me. So I love that. Part. Right. What, what would happen if there was a situation where you were around someone that she didn't necessarily like, would you kind of insist that she still talks to the person? Like, let's say it's like, nope. No, you no. Okay. I mean, I feel like just like we read energies, mm -hmm. I want her to feel like she can feel the energy, the vibe of someone. You may not know what it is. Right. It's a spirit. You don't know what it is, but something is off with that person. And if you're not comfortable, don't force it. And that's different than, you know, going to a new classroom, right? And you have a new teacher and you're getting used to an environment. That's different. You may not like your teacher and that's okay because you probably don't like school and therefore <laughs> you don't like a teacher. But right. when we have like a group of friends or a stranger on the street or whatever, and she is a naturally very social, gregarious young lady. Oh yeah. So she'll talk to anybody. She's good, good, good energy. But if she's not, then I'm like, okay, I believe you. You you I see it too, you. right? Mm -hmm. Because my son, even though he's only six months, yeah. he is still a pretty social little yeah. baby. And yeah. there are certain people that when, you know, they kind of insist on holding him that he freaks out with. And it's not, yep. it's not normal for him to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever it happens, especially with people who I'm not quite sure mm. about, I pay extra attention and I don't allow them to keep holding him while no, he's crying. absolutely not. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it's, it. I also think it's a, always a good reminder that you aren't entitled to any relationship. Mm. So even for our babies, That's like true. you're not entitled to be able to hug me and love on me when I don't know you like that. <laughs> that's what it is. So we have to build that relationship. So for him, he's mm -hmm. comfortable with you. Anyone that's around him that cares for him, he knows those things. Yes. But if you're, you know, a random person, like you, you got to earn a little bit that's sometimes. And do. there are some kids who are going to be more open. Like Kaya is very open and is very friendly. Mm -hmm. But there's also a level of, I think, protection and foundation that you need to have to feel protected and comfortable in different environments and with different people. So Sir, keep the discernment. Uh, yes, okay? I agree 100% <laughs> with that. Yes. What are some of the struggles that you've had raising her? Ooh. I mean, she's only five, but she's again, five. like you said, she's yeah. she's pretty sassy. And, yes. and you know, being yes. a girl, sometimes, you know, girls yeah. have moments. their things, mm -hmm. moments. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like the hardest thing for me right now, I mean, there's always, they always say like every chapter, there's a different version of hard. There's yes. hard and no, no sleep, right? Lack of sleep mm -hmm. when they're younger or, you know, when you're breastfeeding, not really having your own life because you have to make sure you're there whenever they're hungry. I think for right now, What's been hard is really <sighs> balancing between like me wanting to be her friend and thinking she's cool and also 
being like, girl, you can't talk to me. <laughs> you can't talk to me. Like, I mean, it's funny, right. but like, you can't talk to me because I yeah. want her to grow up knowing that she can kiki with girls and she can have really good friendship, girlfriend relationships. And I think she's learning a lot between myself. I have a sisters. I have a lot of friends who are girls who are, but also like boss women. So they're in their careers. They're doing whatever they want. They're being ambitious. And so I love having her around them, but her being so young and being around adults all the time, sometimes she forgets that she is not an adult and that she can't always say these things or do certain things. But, you know, they're manageable small things. I feel like it's more about me making sure that I'm tapped into what's going on right now and not forgetting that, hey, she sees everything. She hears everything. So if she ever says anything to the side, I have to also check myself to say, well, did you, did you do that? Do you do that? Mm -hmm. Because you are a mirror. She's a mirror of what you're doing. So if I'm, you know, looking at somebody (laughs) crazy when they say something and I'm like, Kaya, what what do you, and everyone says, Kaya gets everything from you. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. I don't know what she does. (laughs) Everything. So I try to be more conscious. I think that's Mm -hmm. where it's like, you're teaching at all times. So being very mindful of what you're teaching them. And in terms of the times where you do have to discipline her, what are some strategies that you use to discipline? It is hard. It is hard, especially when they're so cute. I know. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. (laughs) But Kaya, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kaya is is a Leo. She's very strong personality. So we, we correct a bit. But I mean, I think the strategy I always try to take is explaining. I mean, she's super smart. And sometimes I think parents can underestimate how much cognitive awareness a kid Mm -hmm. can have, even if they don't understand exactly why each time there's beads of some sort of understanding that they take to other situations and that are applicable to other situations. So we're really working on reasoning. So like when she was a little bit earlier, we would trade a lot of things um, or I would help her make the right decision, but I would still make it her decision. Um, Trying to think of an example. mean by trade? Yeah. So like trade. So let's say if I wanted her to like, we actually did this in the car the other day. This is not really a corrective action, but it's uh, the form of how we interact sometimes. So, uh, we were on the way home from school and she was, had her iPad and I wanted to talk to her about her day, but you know, she had her iPad and I, I didn't want to take away her iPad to make her feel she was in trouble because she wasn't in trouble. But I wanted to talk to her about her day. I wanted her to open up. I wanted her to know that there's time for screens and there's time to have a communication moment with your parent or with someone who's just saying, hey, how are you doing? Like, don't just brush them off because you want to do something else. Really be um, present in that moment and talk to them. So... I was like, okay, Kaya, I want to talk to you about your day. And I also want you to not be on your phone or your your screen right now, your iPad. So how about we trade? So I will let you, what did I say? I will let you, oh no, we'll play the game that you like to play, which is basically, she likes to play like a verbal um, rock, paper, scissors, which she always pretends that she's playing fair, but she's never. So (laughs) we'll say rock, paper, scissors. Uh And I'll say like scissors and she'll say rock, but she will always do whatever it is to beat me. She doesn't, because okay. it's verbal. So it's, we're, <laughs> this is a car she's game. She's smart. Yeah. Oh, she's smart. <laughs> so she's like, oh, I want to play rock, paper, scissors. So like I'll trade her. I'll say, okay, I'll play the rock, paper, scissors game uh-huh. if you talk to me about your day oh, and not be on your iPad. And so there's like 
decision-making things that I want her to start thinking about, right? It's like, okay, if you want to get what you want, you have to do some sort of compromise to get there sometimes. For her, you know, when she does something wrong, we talk about it. It's a lot of communication. It's a lot of, this is why this is, I want you to be this way, and therefore, this is what's going to happen next. And she really picks up on a lot of stuff. But I think talking to your kids like a regular human goes so far compared to what sometimes we think of like, you know, quick pop or, or what have you. Like, I I don't like doing that. So I really try to explain, especially now she's older, she understands, she's smart. And I tell her that too. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I will say, you're smart, you understand, you know what I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I know you do. And so yeah. we kind of get to this place because it's also, you know, then we have confidence boosting in there as well. And a quick pop. Is that like yeah. a... Oh, no, no, no. We're, that's, we're is doing, that what a quick pop is? It's is that what that means? A quick pop is like... Sometimes even now, I feel like it's not even physical anymore. It's like, like I want you to... Oh, like... Um, like, like hey, like, like a, listen. Like, a, I don't even know what, what the right term would be. Because before, you know, she was younger and she was like a two, you know, she would get spankings. Very rarely she would get spankings because there it's there's not a lot of cognitive understanding mm-hmm. of like, right? So we would do that corrective action. But her dad and I decided we don't want to do physical corrective action. We don't, look, you got to do what you got to do for your kids. But for mm-hmm. us, it's about, you know, if she understands, she's so smart, she understands why, then at least she knows how to approach it in a way that she can validate her actions, mm-hmm. understand what to do next time, or truly just be scared and not do the thing <laughs> that we don't want her to do. Yeah. So I think for now, the pop is like a, it's more of like a mechanism, like, you know what it could be. I don't want to have to do that. Please, let's just work together to get to whatever we need. We want this to be a great day. Another thing I always love to do is, mm-hmm. do you want to reset? Do you, you want to reset, reset, Kaya? Okay. Because sometimes she starts to go into a veer off of, you know, she's got an attitude or we, we already know it's getting it's getting um, confrontational for no reason. Right. She's mm. being upset about small things or what have you. And I just ask her, do you want to reset? Do you want to reset attitude? Do you want to just like reset? Let's just restart. That's nice. And she usually takes. <laughs> did you learn this from like a book or did someone teach you this? Or how did you did come I? up with some of your parenting strategies? So it sounds like you kind of have a. Well, right. you know, we fin- we figure it out. Um, trial and error. Yeah, <laughs> trial and error. Honestly, a lot of it also comes from relationship learning, too. Like, I feel like the reset mm-hmm. was from me. So her dad and I are not together. We're amazing co-parents. That's my dog. I love him dearly. We're great in terms of how we communicate, how we raise Kaya. Our families are still very much intertwined. Like, it's a really positive co-parenting situation. But prior to co-parenting, we had a very long relationship. We were mm-hmm. together for 10 years. And so oh. we were, you know, teenagers together, college together, all the things. Um, we've had our ups and downs. But one of the things that we did before we broke up was went to couples therapy and started to learn about different things. Um, But even as separate individuals, we were learning, you know, how to be adults, how to deal with our emotions. And I think one of the things that we found a lot was I don't actually want to be in a fight, but we're in it because we we got, you know, flared up. Mm -hmm. You know, but I don't actually want to be here. So when I think about, you know, if I could go back to certain moments, Mm -hmm. I would just want to like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Like, I'm actually not that mad. I'm (laughs) in the mix and I can't, you know, like I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And so for Kaya, I think that's where it really comes from is like, do you want to just reset? Because I know you don't want to be mad. I don't want to be like, nobody wants to be mad. So let's just reset. Let's talk about what we actually want and go from there. And, you know, 
seems to work for Kaya. Mm-hmm. We'll see. You know, we age five. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Is there something that you wish you knew before you became a parent that kind of hit you harder than you expected? Mm. Um, In terms of like any advice that you think is really important for me or yeah, <laughs> for I any mean, new gosh. parent. You have to have grace with yourself. That's the biggest thing. Like grace and it's okay to listen to some things and not listen to others. And like no one needs. Like the opinions of other people. Opinions of everyone wants to give you parenting advice. Mm, and like everyone mm-hmm. wants to tell you, you should do this, you should do that. And it's a lot of voices. And I'm here for feedback, give me advice. Like I want that. But when you become a mom and there's a certain point where you start to find your own path and some of it is going to be beads of this and beads of that. And it's okay that like you took some things that did take others because not everything is going to work for you the way it worked for somebody else. And I think a lot of the pressure I put on myself initially was doing it the right way and making sure everything's, you know, prim and proper. And, you know, even to now, you know, trying to communicate more with my daughter versus physical corrective action or like not getting too frustrated. Mm -hmm. Like there will be times where I am frustrated and I'm taking out my anxiety from something else on her and I have to course correct. And just having grace with myself that it's okay that that happened in the moment, but how do you come back from it? How do you apologize to your kid? It's okay, but it's okay for you and it's okay for that. Like we're human at the end of the day. So I think just giving ourselves grace Mm -hmm. and being okay with taking some advice and not taking others. And you don't have to justify why that is. You're just finding your way. That's major. Yeah. That's major. Because having, being fresh out of having a baby, there was so much pregnancy advice, delivery advice. And then it's like sleeping and breastfeeding. And it's like, everyone has this right and wrong thing. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you feel like you're doing something wrong if you're not doing it the way that people said you should do it. Yes. And then I've come to realize that a lot of people are not necessarily even fully honest about what they did and didn't do. Correct. You know, well, half of us don't remember, okay? Because we were sleep deprived. <laughs> Some of us don't remember what we did. Exactly. <laughs> like, honestly. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. it's really like you do what is right in the moment, what you feel in your gut. Your yeah. body was made for this. You were made for this. You have a lot of good intuition. You may not know all the parts, but you have very good intuition as a mom. And so lean into it, ask for help when you need it. Um, but all at the end of the day, give yourself grace. You're going to make mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So Simone, you are a mother, but you're also a career woman. Yeah. A very powerful, like you said, boss babe, a career woman. Yeah. How in the world do you balance having a career mm-hmm. and being a mom who's hands-on, yeah. being a dance mom and just yeah. truly spending time with your child? Yeah. How do you balance it? Day by day, I think, you know, we talked about grace. We give ourselves grace. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of time management and like prioritization of what you can do and what you can't do. I definitely work a lot. I work more than I want to naturally, but I do because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing and the life I want to create for Kaya. Um, I went to business school when Kaya was two years old. I went to Wharton Business School and she had turned to my first week of school. I was one of six moms across all of the students in business school. And it made me think a lot about why that is Mm -hmm. and why moms have to make those decisions when really business school changed the trajectory of my entire life, my career, everything. And 
being able to bring my daughter into business school and seeing people who look like us and sound like us becoming leaders and going after their dreams. I mean, I just got so much inspiration of being a mom and being a businesswoman are intertwined. Mm -hmm. I don't have to live two lives. I don't have to be a mom in this moment and a businesswoman in the other. She is everywhere at all times, all the labels, all of the roles. And so I think, you know, it's, it's hard, but I wouldn't want to be doing anything else because I'm living my dream. And I want Kaya to see her mom living her dream because then Kaya grows up in a world where like, it's not weird. Like, oh, of course, of course I'm going to do what my heart tells me to do because I've literally never seen anything else. I've only seen hard work, focused on your dreams, focused on goals. And I know that she's being a sponge. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure, you know, I'm always thinking about who do I have her around? What energy is she around? Who is she listening to? Um, It's so funny. My co-founders, I have three co-founders. Iso is my CEO. My co-founder, I met her at Wharton. Um, I have two other co-founders, Iso's sister, who is our CTO, and Marlise, our COO. And essentially those four women represent so many different pathways of how women get into business, how women think about their dreams and aspirations in life. And so, you know, there are times where, you know, Iso will come to Dallas and see Kaya and be able to laugh with her and have fun with her. But then Isa is also the same one on a Zoom call where Kaya can hear her talking about business strategy mm-hmm. and decisions and seeing, you know, videos of Iso presenting in front of rooms and myself. Like, I think for Kaya, it is she's growing up in a generation where that is not it's not weird for her mom to be a businesswoman. It's not weird for her mom to be an entrepreneur. This is just what all the women in her life do. I mean, her aunt is an entrepreneur. Her my best friends are businesswomen, corporate lab climbing women. I mean, it's it's really amazing to have a daughter in this part of my life where she just loves, like she always asks, like, I don't want to go to school. I want to go to Saltbox <laughs> where we create our, all of our wigs. Um, shout out to Saltbox. So it's a really cool blend. I don't think that you know, 15 years ago, I could live this life. I couldn't really even live this life like pre-pandemic. So I'm just very thankful, very, very grateful to be a mom in this generation because we're showing these kids that they can do whatever they want and take names. It's true. Mm -hmm. But a lot of women struggle with that internally in mothers because, you know, you said she was two. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times you think, well, I have to be a mom right now. How am I going to justify being out at night, say, taking classes? Yeah. You know, maybe I'll just wait until my daughter finishes high school and then I'll go back to school. Yeah. So what did you tell yourself in order to not feel that weight of like maybe you're doing something wrong right now? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's taking away time. You can never get time back. I think that's one thing why I'm a dance mom now is because I had to force myself, you know, I talk about time management, like I had to force myself to make sure every single day Kaya had me and her time. And in some form, every day is not going to be perfect, but you need to give that time. Um, Because I did struggle with mom guilt for sure, especially in business school, because business school life is, you know, all day in class and then you're going to events and then you're doing stuff on the weekends and it's a lot. But one of the things that I loved about my business school experience was Kaya was all up in that thing. She was at every event that was in daylight. She was at study groups. I mean, everybody in my class that I was around at least, you know, once a month Mm -hmm. knew exactly who Kaya was, 
saw her grow over two years. I mean, there was this moment where it was graduation weekend uh-huh. uh, at school, and we were. I was. I had all my family in town because they were coming to see the ceremony. Um, and we were walking down. There's uh, this walk, Locust Walk, and you walk down and you sort of see everything. And there's. It's a great place to take photos. So at the time we were walking down. All of the black men at Warren were taking this photo. So this is like, you can imagine probably 30 to 40 men in like full blown suits, like taking a big photo, like mm-hmm. big, very business-like photo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just happened to be walking by. And when I tell you all of these men's faces lit up when they saw Kaya because they know Kaya. And so wow. it was so cool <laughs> to see all of them be so hyped to see her, mm-hmm. but also because all of them knew her, they cared about her. And I think, um, you know, these are moments that I will always, always cherish as a mom because yeah, it's so, it, it's so common for us to say, I'm going to defer my dreams because I'm a mom. And I know that there's a lot of times where that is just the only way. I, and I look, no judgment at all. But I decided to bet on myself and to do both. And I feel like when you're actually doing what's in your purpose and you have the village to support you, you should do it. I mean, financially, was it easy? No. But I also wouldn't be sitting here in an exponential sort of growth moment in my life without taking that risk and focusing on my dreams so she can have dreams as well. It is a real deal, like, put your seatbelt on yourself before your child moment, for sure. That is Mm -hmm. so true. Mm -hmm. You're right. Wow. Yeah. So I did read a study, a Harvard study that talked about this exact issue about, you know, women having to balance both motherhood and being an entrepreneur or just being in business. Yep. And the survey reported that 79% of high achieving men want kids mm-hmm. and 75% of them have kids. Mm-hmm. The research shows that the more successful the man is, the more likely he will to fan- find a spouse mm-hmm. and become a father. Okay. However, the opposite holds true for women. 49% of these women are childless. Mm-hmm. Okay. But a mere 19% of their male colleagues aren't. So why do you think that there's this disparity? So basically what the study is saying is that women who want to be successful and who want a family tend to not have that opportunity once Mm -hmm. they achieve a certain level of success versus men. Once they're very successful, they have a higher chance of having a family. So Mm. do you have any thoughts about that or have you even seen any, anything in your life that sort of shows that that can kind of be true for other women? Cause you're in business. So you are with women who are grinding. Yep. And yep. And, and I mean, let me be honest, none of my women boss friends have kids except for me. I mean, I have friends who are moms who have absolutely taken a slower path to success, who didn't have access to all the things that I did. Um, I think, you know, prior to Warren, I was in a corporate environment and I honestly loved the company that I worked for, (laughs) Uh um, it was really, really supportive. Um, But there are certain things that any corporation can't avoid. And that is 
systemic issues with how we think about promotion, how we think about opportunity, how we think about who sort of gets access to certain projects that actually then lead to the results you need to be promoted and to have that acceleration in your career. And I think, you know, even for myself uh, as a manager at times, being in rooms where we were talking about growth of associates. So I wasn't in there when it was talked about me, so I don't know, but I can only imagine what it was like. But it's it's little biased things that can come through mm-hmm. that automatically shift what opportunities people are given. And I think that's where, to me, it always ends up being. It's not that any, I mean, I would hope, I'm going to, I'm a very positive person. I'm optimistic. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. But I don't believe that people are intentionally not promoting moms or not promoting women. Okay. I think that sometimes there's an assumption that they can't for whatever reason, right? Oh, she can't stay to work on this project because she's got X, Y, and Z. And therefore we need to ask Bob because we know Bob is always here past (laughs) seven. (laughs) Right. So Bob can do it, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean Susan can't. Mm -hmm. And we also just made that decision for Susan. We didn't actually ask Susan. And I think so many times that's what happens. It's good-hearted people trying to Uh, you know, think logically about someone's situation, but like not actually asking that person what they're capable of. And it's an easy slippery slope. I think Mm -hmm. that's one thing from a structural perspective. I think the other part is women, especially I feel like in our generation, like we grew up like moms telling us you can do anything you want to do. You can go to school, you can have a job, you can build your business. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when they say like girl bossing a little too close to the sun, it's easy to do that and then wake up and realize like, ooh, yikes. Okay, so I'm 30. I don't have any kids. That's okay that you don't, but that's where that statistic starts to come in, right? It also, the statistic doesn't show whether that's their decision and they're happy with that or not. Correct. There's this idea that like maybe women didn't want the kid. You, you just don't know. But do you think that women feel like they have to choose between in, in some scenarios having it, a child? Oh, for sure. I I think for sure. And like those corporate environments where you know if I don't go to the happy hour and mm-hmm. I don't spend the time, then I'm not gonna get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think there's also you know career points that really are not. I mean, investment banking, consulting, like it's lots of entrepreneurship. It's hours of dedication. Like that, that business is your baby. Even being a hairstylist, like that business is your baby. And so it's hard to, it's hard to balance the two for sure. And then you add on a layer of not having the best support at home. I think one of the reasons why I've been able to achieve what I've been able to do and can continue to focus on my dreams is because I have an insanely supportive network, an insanely supportive dad Mm -hmm. who's always there he will do anything and everything for Kaya. It's I'm not teaching him how to do a diaper. You know what I mean? Like he has been in the thick of it from the moment we began. And so I think for us, it was always you do what you want to do to be ambitious and to reach your goals. And I'm going to do the same. And we're going to back each other up the whole way through. I think for single moms, moms who don't have supportive dads, it's extremely difficult. And that's where... uh, it's, it's one of those things where I don't want to tell anyone to not focus on your dreams, but that's where trade-offs come in. That's where timing comes in. I couldn't have done business school or what I'm doing right now without my village, without my support system. So trying to find that is the best thing I could do in terms of advice for anyone else is you need the support. You need people who 
are caring about you, achieving your goals, will sacrifice for you and you do the same for them, but they don't have to be your husband. They can be a good friend. They can be your sister, your, your father, your mom. You know, if I didn't have a kid, I probably wouldn't be living in Dallas, Texas right now. But I moved to Dallas, Texas because that's where my family is. That's where I have the support. That's where I have the village. So, yes, you know, I think women who have children have to make compromises. We do, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to give up on your Exactly. Dreams. I think that's the difference. It's mm-hmm. like maybe it can be pushed until another time, or you can just start working on things slowly. Yes. If you can't go to business school because maybe you don't have the resources, maybe you don't have family or you don't have money to pay for a sitter, Mm -hmm. you can start reading those books by yourself at home when your child is asleep Yes, and start putting things together. By the time you're able to, you'll be ahead of the game. 100%. You also don't need business school. You don't, you don't, I feel like in this day and age, you can learn anything you want to learn Mm -hmm. if you put your mind to it. Through books, through YouTube, through internet, Google, whatever. (laughs) I think the difference is just access to networks. Mm -hmm. And so when it's time for you, if you need a network in order to take yourself to the next level, then it makes sense to do other things. But I mean, allowing, you know, not being able to go to school to prevent you. No, like you can learn everything like on the internet, through friendships, through books, and it's, it's not a dream deferred. You can figure it out. And also, you know, sometimes those constraints are on purpose for whatever reason, right? Like maybe that's your testimony. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're supposed to be the one that got it without the perfect scenario, without yeah. all the money, without all the time, without all the support. I mean, it's not a good story if there's not a little bit of, you know, <laughs> a little struggle. <laughs> I mean, that's true because yeah. a lot of times we can feel bad about our, our situations. Yeah. If you are in the class and you're the only person with a child or the only person mm-hmm. without a husband, mm-hmm. you may start to feel like, wow, like this sucks. How come yep. I'm the one that has yep. to go through it this way? There's way more people like us in those moments mm-hmm. than not. I mean, I, I definitely felt a little bit of, you know, isolation sometimes when I was in school being the only mom. And we talked a lot about it. We had like this very, very, very small mother's group uh, when I was on campus. And I think that one of the things I really like I talk a lot about being a mom and being isolated more so at business school than I because prior to business school I was in a corporate environment where there were a lot of moms I I like I said I loved the corporate environment I worked in it wasn't perfect but they absolutely had a really great work-life balance and so we celebrated motherhood we celebrated fatherhood we celebrated people making time for the things that they cared about in their life and working really hard at the same time so it was when I got to business school where it was like oh like literally no one has children. And if they do, it's the dad in class, not the mom in class. And so mom was usually at home with the kids and dad was the one that was working on projects with me. Um, And so, you know, I, it wasn't always easy. It was very isolating sometimes, but again, it's like, it's okay if you're the only one, but it's also like, you know, you are crusader. You know, you're breaking these glass ceilings, you know, you're changing it. So now the next mom who's like, oh, I don't know if I could fit in that environment. You can, girl. Yeah. You can. And they'll be like, you know, there was this lady named Simone and her daughter that yeah. were always here. And we were here. <laughs> and we did it. Okay, we did it. And it's honestly life-changing. So I think that's the key is like, you know, really evaluate what's right for yourself. Make sure you have parameters in place to have a healthy environment for your child and whatever you want to do. But don't count yourself out mm-hmm. too soon. I think that's like my biggest thing is, man, I'm seeing my dreams unfold now. And uh, if I would have said, oh, it's too scary 
to do it with a kid, I would never be here. You really seemed confident that you could do this. Did you have any faith that you leaned on? Oh, God, for sure. I mean, I felt like, you know, at the time that I had, I mean, I always, I talk about business school because that was truly the fork in the road of my life. I had been prior to that at one company since undergrad. So I had never interned anywhere else. I'd only been there. So I was like homegrown there and I loved it. Mm-hmm. But business school was a point of like, okay, I'm going to take a risk on myself. But the only reason why I applied to business school was because at the time, my very long-term relationship, we were breaking up. And I had this, I think she was maybe eight months old. And I realized, oh, I'm not going to have dual income anymore. I can't just be okay with dual income because it's not a thing now. Mm -hmm. I might be by myself. How do I create a life that I'm happy about, that I can raise my daughter in and not worry And so it was sort of like the, okay, girl, you got to get it together because you can't depend on another person anymore. And not in the way of him not being a great person, great dad, but we talk about a household and the type of place we want to live and and trips and all the things. And so I said, okay, I need to do something that I know will set us up. And I had to take a risk to do that because, you know, if you don't invest, then like, how would you expect anything exponentially to change in your life? And so I really doubled down. I mean, I moved into an apartment that was not as cute as my previous apartment. (laughs) I spent a lot of Saturdays and Sundays at home with my daughter, Mm -hmm. um, getting ready for GMATs and applications because I had no money to do anything else. Mm. Um, I almost didn't apply to Wharton because I didn't have the $200 to apply. And I, those are moments where pivotal of like, wow, had I not listened to God, had I not just really tapped into what was supposed to be for me, where would I be right now? So you felt like God was telling you to do this? 100%. Honestly, the only way I got into Wharton was through God. Of course. Because I didn't, I didn't meet the qualifications. Oh, really? No. I didn't. The only qualifications I met were that I was working Uh for at least five years (laughs) and I was the right age, which is also not a qualification. It's just like a nice thing. (laughs) But like, I didn't have the undergrad GPA that you were supposed to have. I didn't have the GMAT scores that you were supposed to have. I think really what it was, was the ability to convey who I was, the type of leader I was wanting to be and was already, but what value it was to put someone like me in a room with the access and the information that Wharton was going to give Mm -hmm. and how I was going to take just a mustard seed of what Wharton could give and create something like Parfait, which is I only got to Parfait because of going to Wharton and meeting my co-founder there. But it's all these sort of points of which you can't always see what it is, but he is telling you and you have to believe him. And you may not know how you're getting there, but getting into Wharton was like a what? Like me? But that those are the moments where I was like, well, if not me, then who? Like, why not? Why not? And that's why I'm saying, like, for your dreams to come true, you have to think about it in non-normal terms. Have faith. Yes, you have to. Because if you're just going to do the regular degular, Mm -hmm. you're going to get regular degular results. Yes. You have to really believe in yourself. Like, everyone is uniquely put on this earth to do something so special. But you have to find it. And he usually can lead you. He will lead you if you Mm -hmm. seek him. Mm -hmm. So that is such a beautiful testimony. Let's talk about Parfait. This is your really interesting, and we'll talk about why it's so interesting, hairline. So Mm -hmm. first of all, 
why the name parfait? Because when I think of parfait, yeah. I think of food. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. You think of the breakfast moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, parfait. So um, so I'll talk a little bit about where we got to parfait because essentially, uh, like I mentioned, my co-founder, Iso, we met at Wharton. Okay. This was her brainchild. She came to Wharton and really had been in a lot of different, you know, predominantly white spaces where she was always looking to have a protective style couldn't find it and realized, you know, every other consumer brand has technology in some form, personalization in some form. But for wigs, for black women did not exist. You know what I mean? I like wouldn't you, even think, I wouldn't even see how you would connect the two, to be honest. Because, well, you also, you know, you got to be ESO. Yeah. To figure that <laughs> out. You know, she's just, you know, got the magic. But I mean, truly, it was really thinking, how do we in- improve the experience of people having these day-to-day interactions with this product that is very visual, that is very much who we are as people, that is very much how people interact with us and doing it in a way that actually puts customers first. And so... Uh, Hairtelligence was the first brand name. So mm-hmm. I joined Hairtelligence um, right when I was finishing up business school. So I joined ESO, her sister, our CTO, and uh, Ifueco's best friend, Marlise, who was MIT PhD with Ifueco. And we started building this thing and we soon figured out, okay, there's some aspects of AI that need to be fixed in order for us to use technology to actually create really well-fitting wigs. Um, we found that we needed to make sure that we could actually fit someone's head, right? So this is sitting on your head. So we've got hat sizes, you've got jean sizes, but we don't have head size for a wig that is going to hug your head. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't fit right, it slides back. If it doesn't fit right, you've got gapping in the back. There's all these things. And we, as black women, often are just sitting around dealing with an extremely uncomfortable thing on our head, mm-hmm. being super self-conscious about it all day. And <laughs> we wear them yeah. for decades. I mean, right. a lot of us have worn extensions for decades. And so, you know, we had hair intelligence. Um, we were able to get some pre-seed fundraising money and really help us build our business. And so in October of 2021, we had ra- we had raised a, a good amount of money and we had launched our beta, our, our first private beta, um, where that was under the hair intelligence name. So we had basically created a wait list of like 10,000 people who were interested in our wigs, wow. wanted to know how are we using technology to create better fitting wigs. Um, so the interest was there. We refine the product. So we knew now what vendors to use for different um, hair colors and lace pieces and HD and transparent and tinting and how many sizes do we really need? How many colors of tint do we really need? Um, And realizing, you know, there's all these little sort of struggles we had to solve for. Um, But then you add on this technology aspect, whereas the only way that we could actually serve women of all color, shapes, and sizes was having a data set of people who are like that so we could then build products for them. I see. But that data set didn't exist Mm -hmm. because data sets today, especially in any sort of AI environment, they don't look like you and I. They predominantly look like white men. um, Can you explain AI for people who don't understand what that means? Uh, So the easiest way to describe AI, which is artificial intelligence, is a computer making decisions for us without us actually having to tell the computer what decision to make. It learns over time what decision a human would make if a human were in that moment. So artificial intelligence is just that exactly. So, um, you know, instead of having a stylist say, hey, you're a color warm brown, the computer will say you're warm brown based on these dimensions and these things. And so we use AI, which helps us match 
a customer to the right size, to the right uh, skin tone for their lace. Um, we also use computer vision to actually collect the information from the customer to do that. Wow. So it's basically <laughs> what we've coined as selfie technology, but we have our customers take four selfies. From those four selfies, we'll be able to tell you your head size and your skin tone. So when you get your wig in five to seven business days, it's completely fit to your head and to your skin um, with just four selfies. Wow, mm. that is incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, the topic of wigs in and of itself has been something really interesting with mm. the Black community, especially. Yep. I remember being in college, and this is before wigs became really popular mm. because they kind of took off. I want to say maybe in like, I don't know, 2009 yeah, ish, yeah. where people started being comfortable wearing mm -hmm. wigs. Before that, when you would go to like a beauty supply shop, oh. there were like costume wigs. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I remember being in college, and my hair was just a wreck and I mm. bought one and people would be talking to me and they're like looking at my hairline oh my and God, I remember like having friends sleep over and I at the middle of the night I would like take off my wig and like put it in my drawer oh my God! because I didn't want them to know I was wearing a wig yes. because at that time to say you're wearing a wig is like it was yeah. the craziest yeah. thing right oh my God! so we've come so far with it oh yeah Wigs are now very much normal. I mean, I think, you know, we a lot of investors ask us that too. Like how all of a sudden did wigs kind of come back yeah. and be in the mix? And I think there's been a few different, I would say, market trends that have shifted and made it more normal, more okay. One, YouTube University uh, came yeah. through hot and heavy. That's what my first YouTube yes. video was about, was yes. about wigs. Oh my God. Because I was buying these wigs from the beauty supply yes. shop, these like costume wigs. Yep. And then there were companies starting to make other wigs, mm -hmm. but no one was showing them. How to how, do it, how to right. make it look as natural as possible. Yes. And oh people would gosh. make fun, even in my house, my mom and my sister, oh. they'd be laughing at me oh. because I'm wearing wigs. They thought it was just insane. And then of course, years later, they're like oh, they're, begging for wigs. Yeah, oh yeah, they're like, where are you getting your wigs at, girl? <laughs> but oh, what you're God. saying is something that's just, it just takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, I think um, the real thing is because we deserve things that fit. Right. And these products are built in a factory owned by people who don't look like us, owned by people who don't wear wigs. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of times why the end product doesn't actually match what the consumer needs. Exactly. Because they don't wear them, so they don't know. They don't know. So mm -hmm. for us, for my co-founders and I, we wear these wigs all day, every day in different forms. Like I love wearing wigs as an expression of who I am one day and change it the next day and have long blonde hair one day. And then I also love to wear my natural hair too. I love it for the uh, amazingness of choice that it gives me. My co-founder, Iso, she wears the most protective styles. She had really severe chemical relaxer damage back in the day and has been really growing out her hair ever since. Her sister, a similar situation, but her sister is like super scientist, right? So she's at MIT, she's at Google trying to really be more so focused on the work, the data, the computer vision technology. She's not spending seven hours in a salon getting her hair... She's just not. And so she wears wigs because she loves sort of meshing these two sort of science and beauty and smarts and uh, just being a regular black girl, but being in these MIT spaces, like yeah. it's beautiful. And our other co-founder, Marlies, 
never wore a wig before joining the team. Really? And was never really wow. into beauty at all. And so for her, it's like she gets to learn sort of this beauty land through mm-hmm. our lens of parfait and that that relatable experience. So whenever we launch a new product and she has a question, like that is full blown a question a real customer would have who's new to wigs, who maybe is like, I hear what you're saying, but like, I don't get how I'm supposed to like those, those perspectives are so valuable because Mm -hmm. all of us wear our product all the time. And I mean, I think in this day and age, when you're building a very customer centric product, if you're not actually the customer, good luck to you. (laughs) Good luck to you. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it. It's not going to be done as well. It can't be. It can't be. You have to have a part of the experience. So what exactly does Parfait mean? Yeah. So parfait is a layered, customized approach to everything we do. Uh So if you think about a parfait, right, um, you could have chocolate, fruit, yogurt, whatever you want in there. Mm -hmm. But however you make your parfait is perfect to you. So parfait in French is perfect. It's layers. It's so you can make a savory, you can make a sweet, you can have for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Parfait, tailored hair. There's AI in literally the spelling of parfait, tailored and hair. Like there's all these multi-layered things that just became such a viable reason why we thought Parfait was the best uh, name to sort of rebrand. So initially we were Hairtelligence. um, And as we sort of closed our beta and started really understanding, okay, who is our real customer? What sort of experience do we want her to have? Mm -hmm. And we realized we needed to come back into the market with a very luxury elevated experience. We knew that our products were of the highest quality you could possibly get on the market. And so so that deserved a brand that felt luxury, that felt high fashion. So we really took this fashion approach to how we thought about um, even how we name our wigs. So our wigs are numbered like perfumes. They are, they come in this box that is very much, you know, a concierge service. You're getting all the bells and whistles you need. You can call us if you need help putting it on. If anything is wrong with it, we're there giving you a free adjustment. Like it's a very just well taken care of approach. So yes, you're getting a wig, but you're also getting this entire support system. And so for us, it's the perfect wig. It's whatever version of a wig you want. You can change all the the elements of your wig and it will always still fit you. It will always still be perfect to you. That's beautiful. That approach to the brand is really unique because there are so many wig companies out there. It's insane. A lot. But Mm -hmm. what makes certain things stand out is sort of like what you're saying, some Mm -hmm. of the bells and whistles. When you think of like companies like Rolls Royce, right? It's like, okay, it's a car and it's luxury, but Mm -hmm. then they'll pick you up and make reservations for you and do all these extra things that just make the experience more special. Absolutely. So that's, that's really nice. And then of course, the amount of time and research that went into everything you're doing. It's not like buying a wig from a company in China, right? It's, it's, it's completely different. Yep. Yep. And I mean, I think, you know, China is going to try their hardest to understand the black woman as much as they possibly can, but they don't understand her. They don't know her. They aren't her. And I am excited for a world where, you know, Parfait is prioritizing black women Mm -hmm. because normally we are forgotten. Normally we are unseen. Normally we are underutilized. And so we have this belief that if we prioritize the minority, it will then fit everyone else because we're essentially solving for the hardest communities possible because of the lack of data 
the lack of focus, the lack of research. And so, you know, yes, today black women are our core and we build for her, but parfait sells to all women shapes, sizes, colors in between, because one of the things we've learned a lot about is just overall women wear wigs for all different types of reasons. Absolutely. Protective styles, fun things for me, but also a lot of women wear them for severe hair loss, alopecia, moments where they go and they have some sort of medical treatment that forces them to lose their hair. And there's a level of just losing yourself that can happen if you don't feel comfortable in what you look like, how you enter the world. And so there's a huge group of women coming into the wig market who maybe were using clip-ins before or doing fusions or whatever and saying, hey, I don't want the damage anymore. And wigs are a great alternative, especially when these wigs are actually looking very natural these days. So, and you know, you can have fun and you have the access, but that's where the barrier of, you know, if you buy a wig from China, a lot of times it's not going to match your skin skin tone. It's not going to fit your head and you won't get any help with it. Ugh, and they're saying, smelling like smoke oh and my strands gosh. sticking straight up. Oh my gosh. Because it's been sitting in someone's <laughs> warehouse for the last two years right. because of the way they manufacture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, for us, Parfait was just all about elevating the experience for every woman or man who orders a wig. Like you deserve the end-to-end support because this is a big deal. It's a big purchase and we don't take it lightly. So we want you to be taken care of. You were able to raise money, right? Yeah. To be able to, how was that yeah. process? Oh, man. It was a journey for sure. You know, we had raised a bit of money before I joined the team, and that was helpful. I, I think Isol says the statistic is like she had 49 no's before she had a yes, and, you know, just pitching and pitching and pitching and not giving up, um, but also being committed to the feedback after every pitch. I think one of the things that I've seen her do really well in managing the fundraising process, we're all involved, but really the fundraising is ESO's baby. She is brilliant and she has a way of understanding how to position our brand in a way that makes sense to someone who may have never experienced a wig in their life. Um, You know, we were often uh, pitching to white men who had never even had a wife or daughter who wore a wig or extensions and trying to explain how big of a problem it is that they don't fit. Like explaining that you cannot wear a wig without customization. Mm -hmm. You cannot wear a wig without tightening it a little bit in the back or coloring a little bit of the makeup. And why is that so important? Why is it so important to who we are as, as people walking into these rooms? So, you know, for us, it was always sort of step number one was helping an an investor understand the problem. And we had to rework that a, a little bit to make sure that we were really hitting at what that problem was, how salient that problem was, but then scaling it out beyond black women. Because then we got to the point where we're like, oh, you know, we're black women. We know black women. We can sell to black women. But then it's like, well, that market's really small. And it's like, well, no, there's a lot more people than black women wearing wigs. But right now, today, she spends the most. And so how do we articulate how large of a market this is? And actually, if we really put a brand that is trustworthy and actually putting consumer needs at the forefront, how many more people could be served? Because right now what they're doing is they're struggling with uh, pieces that actually break off the hair. So if you think about like all these, you know, predominantly white women using fusions and trying to use the little bit of hair they have left, bleaching it and then putting like your hair needs a break. And so for them, I think a lot about, you know, communities that are not necessarily my 
day-to-day experience, but what injustices are they dealing with because wigs don't fit or they're spending way more money on a product than you or I would buy because it's marketed to them in a different way, but it's the same product all the time. There's all of those things were really hard to explain to investors, but I think really, again, being focused on the problem, Mm -hmm. the market, how large the market could be in a way that anybody could understand, not just women who understand the problem innately. That's great. Mm -hmm. Are the wigs something that the average person can afford? Because wigs can sometimes be so expensive. Yes, yes. For someone who wants to change their hair as often as, you know, people who wear wigs for fashion want to change it. Yep. Is it something that you think it's truly like an investment piece? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for parfait wigs, for sure, it's an investment. Our wigs range from around $400 to $1,200 given length. I mean, this is a very long wig and it's very blonde. So Mm -hmm. she's a little bit more expensive, but I will say, you know, I think there are a lot of options on our site that are, you know, $400, $500. And for women who are shopping for wigs now, if you think about the amount of money you spend on the raw hair itself and then going to a stylist, and having them install it, that can run you four, five hundred, six hundred dollars easily. And you have to maintain that, right? So you have to go back to the stylist to help make sure they're fixing your your frontal if you had that glued down. There are all these different things. So for us, it's really about making sure that we are explaining like quality matters and that's why the price is the price. And we're we're not gonna back down from that. But I do think that there is a world where these wigs don't have to be this price. And that is truly where automation and manufacturing innovation comes in. So for Parfait, it's all about how do we elevate the entire industry to be better and to be more customer focused. Well, part of that is building in real manufacturing innovation through robotics, through technology to be able to bring the price down of some of these raw materials. Mm -hmm. Because truly the most expensive part of creating these wigs is the raw materials themselves. And we're paying for labor to hand stitch all of these hairs into this lace piece. Really, And so to have a really high quality wig with 100% human hair that can be dyed, fried, laid to the side, it's expensive um, because you're sourcing hair here, you're paying for someone to put it together there. And so for us, it's a lot about how do we from end to end vertically integrate the supply chain so we understand what the customer wants. We are building products at, at the source of the product that actually matches and we're doing it in a way that has ethical labor practices that infuses robotics so we don't need a hundred people in a sweatshop laboring over lace pieces. But in actuality, we need like 20 mm-hmm. who are getting paid fair wages that are having great work-life balance that are being able to live their life but have a robot assisting them. And so These are really big visionary moments for us where now that we have the data, now that we have sort of the standardized process of creating a wig from scratch, a custom wig from scratch that we can scale, then we start bringing the automation. And that's how we get to mass access because when you bring that price down, we can now offer a wig that's, you know, normally $800. We can offer it at $200 because of automation and technology innovation. I see. Wow. You sound Mm -hmm. so passionate about this. You're definitely in the right field. (laughs) 
And we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get oh, there. We sure. have these great minds working mm-hmm. on this. And now that we know that this is something that's achievable yes. and necessary, yes. we'll get there eventually. Yes. There's too many of us wearing these wigs every day for them to not <laughs> be better. Right. <laughs> well, your hair is super, super beautiful. Thanks, girl. I'm definitely going to see if there's a wig that yes. suits me because I love oh, yeah. wigs and I know that I can find something that's so gorgeous and yes. custom, which yes. I've never had before. Yes. Yes. So. It will change your life. I mean, the way that it hugs your head when it actually is like a well-fitted wig, mm-hmm. it is... Yeah, it's a different beast. So we got to get you a wig suit. Yeah, you always look so put together <laughs> and you you always just present as someone who just has it all together. Even though I know, of course, it's life. Like yeah. no one has it Thank all you, together. <laughs> but being a mom and a businesswoman, an mm-hmm. entrepreneur working so hard, how is it that you manage to find time to really be like in your femininity yeah. and take care of yourself and just show up like the woman that you know that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you do? I mean, it's a struggle sometimes for sure. I think that the way that I put it in my head, because I sell wigs, if my wig is not laid, I therefore (laughs) then don't sell a wig. So... You got to get it together. Walking advertisement. Yes. And it really does. So I think for me, a lot of times when like I need that extra push to do, you know, look the way I need to look or or, or present myself in the way that I I feel like I do. It's always because I'm very results driven in terms of getting to the goals that I want to hit and using everything I have in my power to do that. I never want to go to something and say, oh, you know, I should have done this or that or no. So mm-hmm. it, for me, that's a very big motivator. So what do you do? Do you like wake up early and do your makeup? Well, or like, how do you? Yeah. Yeah. So makeup. No. Okay. Hair is always going to be together. Okay. Makeup. Absolutely. And I think that's been my, so my little thing is now I always get my lashes done. I don't wear makeup day to day anymore. I mean, we have makeup on today, but I don't wear makeup day to day anymore. I focus on making sure my lashes looks like my one that's like my one personal care thing I always do like people are always like oh I always get my nails and lashes are my thing yeah. because I can literally not do anything else and feel like Simone mm-hmm. um so that's that I think for wigs what I like to do is I like using adhesive I like using glue on my wigs because I can wear it for four or five days and not do anything else mm-hmm. so it looks fresh and it looks great and it's but like I am rolling it up putting a bonnet on every night to make sure when I take it off it still looks good um I also am the queen of look, I will put this wig on for this moment and rip that thing off Mm -hmm. and go about my day. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I think it's like, you know, as, you know, being a leader in a beauty brand, you kind of have to do what you got to do. Like, I can't go to any investor meeting without a wig on. Like, I have to. And so, you know, you kind of make sure you have multiple available and things like that. But I think a lot of times, too, it's about who, well, who do I want to be in this moment? Who, how do I want to represent myself? And so really, I think where I see it most is when I have like rooms that I'm walking into that are not my normal room. So for instance, how do I dress when I go do a pitch in person or go to an investor thing in person? Do I do this? Should I be muted? 
Should I not wear the most bright blonde? Should I try to not stand out because Iso and I are the only two women in the room? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, God forbid we're too pretty and then you're, you're, you're not taken seriously. And I'm small, human, okay? So, like, <laughs> I'm also not, like, very commanding. <laughs> um, so these are things that, like, I feel like as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. I've just owned them. And therefore, I do, I, I am more excited to go into a room and wear a fly outfit and say, yep, I'm a startup founder. And I have a Sergio Hudson blazer and my Zara jeans. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. And my hair the way I want to, my makeup the way I want to. That that was definitely, you know, didn't wake up like that, mm-hmm. didn't get there. But I mean, I think learning a lot about who you want to be in any room, especially like a, a corporate America environment that I grew up in and then going to business school and really being able to redefine like who I was and what versions of myself I loved, what versions of myself did I want to let go? The ones that second guessed who I was or was worried about, you know, am I going to be overdressed? Am I going to be underdressed? Like, girl, wear what you want. Look how you want to, (laughs) because there's nobody who really is honestly checking for you that much to like wonder, will Simone wore something like (laughs) No one cares. <laughs> right. So just do you. What uh, about like um, self-care at home? Is ooh. being a mom and just working so hard and yep. being so goals oriented and yep. all of that. Do you have time to just put back into you just to rejuvenate and yeah. reset? Yeah. I mean, one, I use my lash appointments for that. So That's every two time. weeks we go in, we doing that. And those are long um, appointments. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's at least an hour and some change every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. I, that I, I, I am relentless about, but it's literally, it, I think it's the principle for, about it for me. I don't do a lot of self-care. I really, I actually need to do more. Like, whole moment I need to do more. Okay. But I also like, you know, like when I'm home with Kaya and she's got, you know, her colors out and she's doing, and then I can go and take a bath and just Mm -hmm. and like one thing that I was trying to start doing was like doing more like skin stuff you know like the Mm -hmm. the steps and you know (laughs) doing that like I try I really Mm -hmm. do but then I started realizing like oh like I am now using that as a way to say, how do you maintain your productivity in the self-care realm? Like I was starting to judge myself because I wasn't staying committed to the skincare. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm so goal oriented. I'm so like consistent productivity, like do this, do that type A in my regular life. So then when it came to Uh self-care, I was like pushing myself to like make sure you do this, make sure you do that, make sure. And it's just like, girl, <laughs> you're not relaxing. Let go. Yes. yes, I'm not relaxing, just enjoying. So now I've got like two steps. Like if I get a serum and a moisturizer, that is like enough for me. That's all. That's, I mean, that's all you need. Something. It's just more the principle of just again, you're yes. so type A, which is oh. which is great. But yeah. the downside to that is the lack of like relaxation, rejuvenation, yes. just yes. settling your mind down yes. and just being in your body. 100%. You know, yeah. and I think that's important for you to, it is, to do. Yeah. I need more of that and less of type A. <laughs> but you know, we all got we all got things to work on, okay? It's okay. We all got things to work on. No, we try. We need <laughs> we need all kinds of humans in this world to make it run the way it does. So make it go. <laughs> just want you to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have some rapid fire questions for okay, you. I'm, I'm nervous about this. I saw this on the other episode. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Why are you nervous? I have, these are good. These are good because I want to get to know you on a different level. Okay. So these are some more 
more relaxation questions. Oh, child. You're, I just told you I'm not good at that. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Swimming pool or beach? Ooh. Ooh. Do you go to the swimming pool or the beach? I do both, actually. Okay. Low key, I go to the pool. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a do the pool because I will go to the pool in my apartment midday. Oh, and it's nice. like a really good de-stressor. Okay. It's like I'll even just go in for like five minutes and then I'll go back. It feels like I've usawed in a, a real body way. So yes, that's actually something. the pool has been good. really good to me. But I love the beach too. So that's hard. <laughs> okay. That's hard. Swimming pool. Yeah. Okay. Winning the lottery or finding your soulmate? Oh, soulmate all day. I'm going to make money anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Bad breath or body odor? Oh, gosh. I know. That's a... Mm. Oh, I think the bad breath, because I can at least, like, give me 50 feet, like, something. I can't do the B.O. That's something that just soaks up the room. I can't. <laughs> Guacamole or salsa? Oh, guac all day. Loud neighbors or, or nosy neighbors? Sorry, I'm going to say that one again. <laughs> loud neighbors or nosy neighbors? Loud. I I'm loud, too, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> sauce on the side or sauce on top? All the way on top. <laughs> be embarrassed or be afraid? Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. I hate being afraid because it frustrates me. Because I, But it also motivates me to do... Like, I have this thing where if I say if I'm afraid of it, I should be doing it. Okay. So, I like pushing through. So, then... That means I choose being afraid. These are rapid fire. Sorry. <laughs> afraid, afraid, afraid. Okay. Be afraid. Yes. Okay. That's my final answer. Yes, my final answer. Okay. Art museum or history museum? Hmm. History. Attend a play or a stand-up show? Oh, stand-up. Yes. Sweating or shivering? Uh, I know. Shiver. <laughs> ambition or comfort? I want to say comfort, but knowing me, ambition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Ooh, hot coffee. It's good. <laughs> Red wine or white wine? <sighs> Dang. I know. Dang. Red wine, it's, it soothes my soul. I love it. <laughs> Take a friend on your family vacation or join a friend on their family vacation? Oh, bring on mine. Group hangout or one-on-one -on -one hangout? Shoot. One-on-one. One-on-one. On one. Tattoos or piercings? Tattoos. <laughs> Weekends or holidays? Dang, these are hard. I know. Weekends. Weekends. Souvenirs or postcards? Souvenir. Roller coasters or water slides? Neither. I don't like that. I don't like. Be, I don't. I don't like being scared. I don't like my body feeling uncomfortable. So I'm gonna say neither. You don't want to. You don't want the. You want to have control. Yeah, over the like situation. The, yeah. If I could, I could do a water ride. That's like you know, like the water ride with the, the mm -hmm. water splashes, but not the water slide. No, no, no. I don't want to do the water slide. <laughs> well, thank you. I have a smell test for you. Okay. I have okay. some fragrance. Yes. I have my fragrance line called Fine Fire. I've heard. Yes. I've Super heard. excited about that. Yeah. And so I have some fragrances for you today. I just okay. want you to smell them and just tell me what you think or like where you would wear it to. Mm, okay. Are you someone who likes fragrance? 
I like fragrance, but I'm not a fragrance girl. I, but I want to be. Mm. You know, like the whole the ladies who have like the whole setup and it's all color coded. I want to be that girl. You want to color code. I want your to do that. I want to have the sense <laughs> for the moment, but I don't now. I you know, but look. Well, maybe this can help you. Fine forever. Yes, fine forever will help me. <laughs> okay, so this one's our debut fragrance. It's okay, twenty nine eleven. Okay, slides Gosh, out. Gorge. Thank you. Gorgeous. So this is the signature. Or that's the signature. That's, okay. That's our debut fragrance. 2911. What's yes. what's 2911 mean? So 2911 is a scripture in the okay. Bible, Jeremiah 2911, and it talks about God's plans for your life mm. and saying that God has a plan for your life to prosper you and not to harm you and has a future and a hope for you. So it's basically a scripture to mm. remind you of the promise that God has a purpose for your life mm. and a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. Oh. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, I'm struggling. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so now I'm going to smell this and I'm going to think about all of that. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm going to do this. I don't, I, look, I told you I'm not a fragrance girl. I don't know how to do this. Okay. How do you do this? Like, just don't rub it. Okay. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, now I'm just thinking about like the way that you connected scripture to the scent, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like what you, how you feel when you hear a specific song or whatever. Now, when I smell this, I think of like mm -hmm. God's plan. Yeah. God's you're, plan. you're, you like to connect oh, it like I with the meanings. That. Yes. Okay. I love, I'm such a purpose driven person. Yeah. So I love that. This smells so good. Ugh, now the scripture got me, child. Uh. Scripture got me, the smell. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, beautiful. you talked about having the faith of a mustard seed. Yes. When you were talking. Yes. This fragrance is from our new line. Okay. Faith Collection. And this one is called Mustard Seed. Okay, Mustard Seed. Yes. Oh my, ooh, I feel a little velvet on here. This is gorgeous. Also, you know, you. so our packaging is also like, your packaging is gorgeous. Okay. I'm a sucker for packaging. Our packaging is very like, it's a whole experience. And this is like the texture, yeah. the colors, the the bottles you have. Everything um, makes a difference. Yes. In how you experience it. Yes. Yeah, we definitely. Oh my gosh. I'm also like trying to be very gentle. I don't want to, because you know, now I'm a fragrance girl. So I'm trying to learn, <laughs> trying to learn all the things. Ooh, that smells awesome. Okay, other arm. I'm going to run out of arms. Mmm. <laughs> this is a lot lighter than the first one. It's definitely the lightest. Mmm. Three. But to me, like, I would wear this out. Yes, it's definitely a like, right yes. outdoor scent. Yes, like, I would go out in this. Mm -hmm. Like, that one, this one was more, like, comfortable. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it was more, like, internal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe because of what it means. Like, I don't know. It's like a scent for me. Like a personal scent. Yes. This one is, like... I smell good and other people will know, like, like I, I want people to, I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but this, like I'm going out in the world. Yes. This one smells beautiful. Oh, I like that a lot. Also Thank love you. the way you have it here. Uh-huh. You like this that? This is dope. Yeah. Thank you. This is very cool. It's like slightly, like, this is really cool. I love that you can appreciate the yeah. little things behind. Oh my gosh. Not like packaging this bottle. This bottle is gorgeous. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Yes, mustard seed. Okay. So we love mustard seed. Um, what do we have next? And part of this collection, this faith collection, this okay. one is called Silent Storm. So Ooh. this one, the idea behind it is that 
God will silence your storm. So when you're in situations mm. where you are fearful, maybe lacking faith, just know that oh in that storm, gosh. it can be a silence. My gosh. Okay. Yeah. See this, the collection with this bottle, mm-hmm. I love, like I love, bottles. I feel like this one is just like, don't get me wrong. This one's beautiful, but this bottle is, it, it gives me like iconic. Like there's not another fragrance that you'll see. Like the moment you see yes. this, it's fine. Exactly. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. You. Ooh, okay. Like, <laughs> you all right, we're just gonna run out of space, huh? It's okay. <laughs> Ooh, oh, this one is is different. Mm-hmm. This one is giving. Where am I going? This one definitely is giving me more vacay vibes. Like it's giving me more like I'm more beach, like more mm-hmm. beach, mm-hmm. more like. Um, Warmer weather. That's I'm exactly what I was going for. We're creating that. <laughs> yeah, one yeah, I'm like, this is. I was like a vacation. Yes, like, like my, like you know, you got the right oil. You're glowing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you know, sunning. Oh yeah, this <laughs> one's gorgeous. This is definitely like summer. This is like, um, oh, I like this a lot. So you like Silent Storm? Yes. What is my favorite? <laughs> It's okay. You don't have to. Okay, have good. To, you don't good. Have to don't do ju- don't make me because I actually really like all of them. But you know, I'm I'm a sucker for a purpose, and I feel like all of these have such good messages. And so I think you know, if I were a fragrance girl, and I am right, I'm proclaiming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I love about this is it's it's what I need that day, yeah. and it's the scent. But it's also because we smell ourselves. I feel like like if there's silent storm and I've got a lot going on that day, or it's been a hard mm-hmm. moment, I will spray this, and I just remind myself silent storm. So like I can have that moment to be reconnected, and the same for these other two. Um, and in a way where you know, like I said, you play a song and it brings you back to center. You yes. play gospel music, whatever. But I don't have a scent that can that bring does you that back to a yeah emotion. Yeah, oh, I love this concept. Definitely what we were. Oh going my gosh, for. I Thank love that. So oh my god, much. great job on the whole collection, <laughs> the connecting, you. the purpose, and the way you've titled them beautiful Thank they smell you. amazing i'm so oh, happy that you god i love that they're great they're <laughs> Thank great you. they're great Thank you so much, Simone, for yeah. being here and sharing so much knowledge with us of on course. hair care, motherhood, and just being in your femininity and pursuing your goals. Yeah. A lot of women will definitely be inspired by hearing your story, especially so. yeah. being a single mother. It's so inspiring. You're doing so many wonderful things that your daughter Trying. will be able to look to and know she can do anything just yes. like her mom. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Michelle. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for welcome. having me. It's been awesome. Where can they find do you let them know? Yeah, you can find me on my Instagram at Simone Kendall. You can find Parfait at my Parfait on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the things. Um, and you have a podcast. And right? I have a podcast. She's yes. Also a podcaster. Yes, the Twin Setters podcast. We've been out. Uh, my twin sister, Jade, and I put together a podcast during the pandemic. And so we really need to bring it back. I feel like we haven't filmed in a minute. 
because babies kind of started to come along, but now we, mm. we need to get back to it. We need to get back uh. to it. So yeah, you know, I'm trying to always find ways to connect with people and sharing, you know, the trials and tribulations of this life, you know? Um, and I love having moments to do that. So thank you for having me on your platform and sharing our story of the business and myself. And um, yeah, y'all check, check us out. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for watching. Bye-bye.